see all y'all this morning. I don't ever really get to come over here and see you guys. I'm super glad to be here. We are starting a new series called Stories. I don't know what comes to mind when you hear the word story. Uh, It could be a uh, once upon a time, right? It could be a book that you've enjoyed uh, countless of times reading over and over. It could be something your parents told you. It could be a text saying, I'm pregnant, right? There's just all of these things that go through your mind when you hear the word story. Now, we know here at Stone Point and other churches around that the story that matters most is God's. And so we're going to share stories with you this over this series where God has pulled us into his story. And I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're in God's story yet. I don't know if you've allowed him to make your story his own. But we're going to share you stories of people that did. And, and we're kicking it off with mine. So I'm going to start with the story of two dogs. We've got two dogs. One's name is Buddy, and I'm hoping that his picture's up on on this stage right now. Now, Buddy is a good dog. Like, he's been with us for about eight years. Um, when When we first moved here, we just put up some chicken wire on the back. Uh, fence, and, and he didn't get out. He stayed within the boundaries that we set up for him. When he comes inside and we tell him to sit, he sits. When we tell him to lay down, he lays down. When we tell him to go outside, he doesn't fuss. He just goes outside. He doesn't really bark when someone comes to the door. And he's just a good dog. Like He's a fantastic dog. And if you could see the light hit just right, you'd probably see his halo over his head, right? I mean, that's the type of dog he is. Now, enter the second dog. This is Reese. She's the alpha dog in the relationship here. She's little. I swear she's got the big spirit of a dog inside a little dog's body, right? Those furry ears are actually devil horns, though, that's covered up. She's not a good dog. My wife will tell you that I love her. Our definition of love may differ, but... She, I mean, she barks, she yelps, it's that high-pitched yelp, you tell her to stop barking when someone comes to the door, she just does it more, she chases the cat, and then when she went outside, she taught our big dog how to dig, so we had to replace the fence, because she'd get up under, and you know, I like to think that as a good dog, our buddy would just go out and protect her, right, he's not really disobeying. But we define things as good and bad, right? Like we we have good dogs, we have bad dogs, we have good decisions, we have bad decisions, we have good people, we have bad people, we have a good TV show, we have a bad TV show. And in life, we, we say things are good or bad. And when it comes to us as people, we tend to really judge our goodness off of our obedience to things, just like my pets. Like the reason why Buddy's such a good dog is because he obeys his master. But Reese is not because she disobeys her master, right? So today we're going to start in Luke 15. And I'm going to start with just a story that Jesus shared. He was the ultimate storyteller. In fact, God is the ultimate storyteller. Jesus used stories called parables all the time to share a meaning of something that he was trying to teach. Something that we can all relate to. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to, I'm just going to kind of dive in without, uh, just kind of set the stage of where Jesus is going here. 
But I'm going to pray first and we'll get started. God, I thank you for today. God, I thank you for stories. I thank you for ultimately inviting us into your story because our stories come to an end. Our stories have a beginning and ending and yours never does. You're the Alpha and the Omega. You're, you are history, Father. And God, I pray that as, as we learn today that our stories matter because your stories matter. That you've allowed us to step foot into your story for humankind, and you've allowed us to serve you faithfully so that we can share our story so others can hear about your patience, your forgiveness, and your love, God. God, give us the boldness to share our story. Help us to realize the people that we're around that need to hear our story so that you can receive glory in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So in Luke, um, the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders of the day, is coming to Jesus, and they, they just see him interacting with what they would call sinners, people that were unclean, that they felt like they shouldn't be around at all. And so they kind of drew a line in the sand and said, you, you guys stay on that side, we'll stay over here. And they can't understand why someone who claims to be the Son of God would associate, would hang out with, would eat dinner with people that were unclean and, and just sinners. And so he talks about uh, the parable of the lost sheep where the good shepherd leaves the 99 flock and goes to get the one that, that escaped the, the uh, herd. And then he talks about the lost coin, the parable of the lost coin where a lady loses her coin that she has and she overthrows her house. So it makes chaos trying to find this one lost coin. And then we get to the story of the prodigal son. And this is where two... Uh, this is a story of a man that has two sons. And the younger son comes to the father and says, hey, dad, you know what? I'm going to pretend like you're dead. I don't, I'm going to pretend like you don't exist because I want my inheritance now. And the way that they got inheritance back then was, was that they would lose their father. And so he gets a third of the inheritance because there's two sons, right? The older son always got double portion. Thank goodness I'm the older son. Of, of the inheritance. And so he would get two-thirds, the younger son would get a third, and the, and, the, and the father gives him his inheritance, and he goes and just spends it on wild parties, on women, on whatever. You can imagine what this guy would spend it on. Like, I imagine him today, he would walk into the bar and say, hey, drinks are on me, and just stay there all night long. And so with that came friends. And so he would hang out with these friends. He would blow his inheritance eventually. Everybody would leave at some point because the money was gone. And he found himself in the middle of a pigsty. He would work for a guy that, would, that told him, you can work for uh, me feeding my pigs. Now, the pigs were unclean animals in the day. Like, the Jewish people did not eat pork, which I don't understand, but... God commanded them not to eat pigs. So this was an unclean animal. So this guy was among unclean animals feeding them, and he has a revelation. The revelation is that, that man, my hired servants at my father's house live better than I do. So I'm going to work up the courage, and I'm going to go back home, and I'm going to ask my dad to be a hired servant so that I can have a meal every day and I can have shelter. And so he works up the courage, and he goes home. And now the camera pans over, and you, it goes to the setting of the dad. And the dad is waiting for his son to come home. And he sees him on the horizon, and his dad bolts off the porch, runs and embraces him, kisses him, says, thank God that you're home. Let's kill the fattened calf and have a party. 
And that, we love stories like that. If we, if we correlate it to today, these are the miracle stories where, where people don't believe in God, where they believe he doesn't exist, and they go and just live their lifestyle however they want to, being what's, whatever's right in their own mind, right? And they just go and spend money, and, and they take the resource that God truly does give them and just spends it on themselves. It comes and hits rock bottom and realizes, man, I'm addicted, I'm I'm, I'm living in adultery, I've, I've, whatever it is, it wakes up, and all they can do is look up. And God enters the picture by when they come back and say, oh God, I need somebody. I heard about you when I was young. I, I, I know that I went this way, I need forgiveness. And God enters the picture by running to them, embracing them, kissing them, and just throwing a party that they once were dead and now they're alive. We love stories like that. The problem was, is it wasn't my story. Like, I never was a rebellious teenager. I grew up in church. When, when we were, when the church doors were open, I was there. Like, we went, I grew up Baptist, so we were there. If you grew up Baptist, you know this, this schedule, right? You go for Sunday school, and then you have big church. And kids always hated big church because it was boring. You had to sit in a pew that had a wafer seat, the wafer cushion about that big. I think it was so you wouldn't fall asleep, right? Well, so in, in third grade, I'm sitting here and listening to the, the message. I remember our pastor at the time was Brother Hadley. And my mom, which I don't remember this, but my mom said that I responded to what they called an altar call. Come up here. We want, if you feel like you need Jesus in your life, if you want to accept him into your heart, if you want to follow Jesus, come on up here. We'll pray for you and go from there. And at, at th- in third grade... I felt such a calling that I jumped over the pew. No idea who was in front of me at the time, but I didn't want to go out the aisle. I ran, I ran down and I needed Jesus in third grade. Now, do I believe that I entered into a relationship with Jesus at that time? Yes. Do I believe that I didn't know what I was doing? Yes. <laughs> but I entered into a relationship. And so my calling wasn't like my relationship was him that I grew up in church. Like, I knew all the rules. I knew the rules to follow to stay within the boundary of the fence set up for me. And so I would draw that up. And so I didn't do drugs. My dad was a pharmacist. He scared me off of drugs pretty quickly, right? I didn't drink until I was 21 when it was lawful to drink. Whoever hears of someone doing that, right? I didn't have sex before marriage. My wife didn't have sex before marriage. I mean, I was the good son. If you talk to my parents which they go to Edgewood, thankfully not here. But I was the good son. The other two were not, right? I, they didn't have a problem with me because I obeyed the rules. I obeyed curfew. I did everything to stay within those guidelines. But the problem is that you become a Pharisee at that time. You follow the rules not because out of love for God, but you follow out of the rules because of something you can get. And so that was my story. I grew up feeling a call to ministry in high school, and so I thought, well, I better no- start learning about God. So my freshman year, I read the Bible cover to cover, cover, Genesis to Revelation. I thought, if I can do that my freshman year, I can do it my sophomore year. So I did my sophomore year, junior year, and senior year. So by high school, I'd read the Bible through four times. I knew a lot about God. I went to East Texas Baptist to, to learn more about God, and that's when I had a revelation that I was an older brother, that I was a Pharisee. I followed rules not out of love, but out of obligation, 
to get something. And so we love the story of the younger brother, but we often forget about the older brother. So we're going to start in 15, 25, and I'm going to read you my story. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Now, as a brother, you would think this guy would be rejoicing, right? Like my brother, long lost brother's gone. Now he's back. He's found. I can rejoice. The problem is, is he's got a Pharisee heart. And if we continue reading here and he says, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. And I want you to see this. That, man, he draws a line in the sand. He says, I'm not going in there because there is a, someone in there I don't agree with. There's someone in there that I don't like. And if you have a heart that you get angry when lost people get saved, you may be a Pharisee. You may be a Pharisee if you know of somebody that walks into this church and truly meets God, and you're like, I don't think that's real because I knew who he was beforehand. And that was me. Like, I grew up in a small town. Granbury's a lot larger now, but at the time, Granbury was small. And when I'd see people come to Christ, I'd be like, man, I know how they act. I'm not sure that they're saved. And I would judge them simply on their actions because I could look at mine and say, I am 90% good and 10% bad. They're 10% bad and 90% good. I'm not sure they're getting it here. And this was me. Like, I drew a line in the sand. I said, hey, if you don't meet these standards, you're not saved. And I was a Pharisee. But I want you to see, just as, just as the father pursued the younger one when he saw him, who goes out to meet the older brother? God. Timothy Keller writes a book over this and Man, it just blew my mind when I read it. I was like, this is me. Like, this is it. He wrote a book called The Prodigal God. And if you've not read it, I highly recommend it. Because he dives into this story of the prodigal son. And man, it is a fantastic book. Because you really get to see the heart of the Pharisee. But he answers his father. And he says, look, these many years I have served you. Okay, so this is a Pharisee mind, mindset. Look, I've done what you said. I've served you. My actions prove that I am your son. I've never disobeyed your commands. I've always lived by the rules, Dad. But the thing is, is why do you obey? Do you obey out of love, out of a relationship, because you, your heavenly father says, hey, this is what I want you to do, and just out of sheer love for him, you do it? Or do you do it because you're a Pharisee? Because this is what happened to me. He says, I've never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat. Like the fattened calf for the day was, was someone, was, was trying to get a calf prepared for someone of importance. So if royalty came over, or if someone of importance came to your house, you killed a fattened calf and threw a party for them. And so he took the fattened calf that was supposed to be for royalty, for someone important, and said, hey, this youngest son is the most important son in my life right now. And the older son compares himself. He says, why haven't I got that? You haven't even given me a goat. And so when you judge others by, man, why do bad people get good things? Like, why does this evil man that I grew up with that come and, and, and meets Jesus 30 years afterwards, does he get to have a relationship with God? 
when I've done it so long. And if you can't rejoice in that, there may be a, a Pharisee heart inside somewhere. And he says, yet you didn't even give me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Like, why does he want the young goat to bring praise to himself? So he can be uplifted. So he can be among his friends and say, see how much my dad loves me? And that was my heart. The reason why I obeyed wasn't out of love. It was to be, to climb the spiritual ladder. To be seen by people and be praised by people when I don't deserve the praise, ultimately. God does. And the problem is, is with the Pharisee, we live away in such a way that we look good, that we're a whitewashed tomb, right? We look good on the outside, but we're dead in the inside. And that was the picture of the older brother. He had no relationship with his father. He stayed there and did the rules and obeyed, but he did it so, so he could get something. Not because he loved his dad. And then he says, but when this son of yours came, realize that it's not his brother. <laughs> he doesn't even see him as his brother anymore. When we see people different as a Pharisee, we judge them pretty easily. And I'm going to tell you, church people are the worst at this because we're pharisaical in our mindset. And that's why people stopped going to church when we were younger because we felt judged by the church. It says, but when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed him the fattened calf for him. Like he was jealous. So there's a jealous heart in a Pharisee also. And this was me growing up. So come to college, I entered into this time with God and trying to get to know him. Uh, oh, wait, hold on, sorry. <laughs> I'm not done with Luke 15 yet. So the father says to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. And God says, I don't care when somebody comes into relationship with me. The point is, is my creation, my sons, my daughters are lost and now they're found. My sons were dead and now they're alive. And it is time to celebrate. And if we can't celebrate salvation, there's a problem with our hearts. Because God here loves the older brother just as much as he did the younger one. Like, he disrespected his dad. Yet you don't see nothing but love coming from his father. And so enter the college years, and I'm <coughs> studying, trying to figure out who I am, and I'm laying in bed in my dorm one night, and I come to the realization that I'm a Pharisee, okay? Not a, not a fun picture, right? Okay, so I believe that I had a relationship with God, but I didn't grasp what following God and doing his will was till college. And so I look back, and I think, what if, right? Have you ever played the what if game? What if I made a different decision? What if I realized that my relationship with God was supposed to be about love instead of obedience and, and doing, following rules to work myself up to the ladder? What could be different? Well, the thing is, is I don't want to cheapen God. So you can't play the what if game. Because God has everything planned out for a reason. And even though he allows us to do whatever we want to in our own minds, and he lets us go off like the, either the younger son or he allows us to stay within our little boundaries like the older son, 
He knows when he's going to enter into our lives. And the way that he does it isn't to bring us glory, but it's to realize that we're all in need of salvation for him, from him. Whether you're a Pharisee or whether you're the rebellious son, we all need Jesus. And so he woke, woke me up, and, and I'm reading a book right now called uh, Grace is Greater Than. It was given to me by a church member, and, and right at the beginning, it, it's, it, it shares this time where Kyle Ottoman, who wrote the, wrote the book, um, he wrote a paper over Paul in, in 1 Timothy. And this is what kind of, this was the perfect way for me to explain what happened in my college years. He says this in, in the book, that, that if you don't wake up daily and realize that you're the worst sinner you know, you're going to miss God's grace and miracles every day. Because the problem is, is we think somebody's always worse than we are. As a Pharisee, we're really good at that. We're really good at judging others based off of their performance to uplift and give us praise so that we can feel good about ourselves. And the problem is, is if we don't realize that we are the worst sinner, not was the worst sinner, but we are the worst sinner daily that we know, we're going to miss God's miracles every day. And so I'm going to read to you from 1 Timothy real quick because this is what woke me up. I didn't have this verse, but this was the mindset that I was in. I came to realize that as a Pharisee, I was the worst sinner. Like it wasn't the youngest son. Like I still didn't have the right relationship with God. And so in college, that's when I finally understood what following God was supposed to be about. And so he says, 1 Timothy, Paul, who we learned about last week, right, writes to Timothy. And he says, I thank him who has given me strength Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. That's what he wants to do with everyone, not just Paul, but he wants everyone to be used for his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And this is what I want you to get here. Whether you are the younger son and you go and believe God's not real. I don't know where you are right now in your faith. I don't know if you believe in God. If, I, don't, I don't know where you are, but if you're the younger son and you, you just don't believe that God was real, you're going your own way, you're doing your own thing, and you come to the realization that you've acted in ignorantly in unbelief, or whether you're the older son and you follow all of these rules and you wake up to the fact that you've acted ignorantly in unbelief because you thought that rules could save you, we all need Jesus. Because without Jesus, none of us have hope of getting into God's relationship or even into heaven. Because the problem is, as a Pharisee, we judge it off of our standard. I'm 90% good. I would say that's pretty good to get into heaven, right? The problem is, is we fall short of God's standard, which is 100% good. And when you come to the realization that you are the worst sinner, then you're like, okay, I need God. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Now this is Paul writing. He'd already experienced Jesus on the road of Damascus, had his conversion of being the biggest Pharisee that we ever have known. He even boasts in that. 
that I knew more than anybody else. The Pharisee of the day, the religious leaders had to memorize the first five books of our Bible. Like, good luck with that, right? Those are, the last two books are absolutely boring. Actually, I'd say the last three books. <laughs> but they memorized it, knew it front and back. It's the back of their hand. They, I mean, they got it. And Paul knew it. But he entered into a relationship with God when God changed his heart on the road of Damascus and saved him from that pharisaical mindset. And then he used him for his purpose. And he says, of whom I am. He's already written many letters. I mean, you, wouldn't you have thought that Paul said, I was a sinner? <laughs> but he didn't. He used the word, I am a sinner. Still to this day, if I don't wake up and realize that I'm the worst sinner that I know, I miss God's grace today. And I need it more today than I did yesterday. But I receive mercy for this reason, and this is why we receive mercy also. That, that in me, as the foremost chief sinner, the one that does everything, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. The reason why you have a story, the reason why I have a story, isn't to be saved by God, to be great. I now have a relationship with God, and I've got heaven. No, it is for you to share your story so that others can hear of God's patience and his grace and his forgiveness so that they too can understand who God is. That's why we share our stories. Despite whether you've had a miraculous, awesome, crazy story or a story where you grew up in church and did everything right. You share your story because it's your story. And God saved you the way he saved you. Don't cheapen God's miracle by trying to share somebody else's story. God saved you just as he did because he loves you just as you are. Share that. Because there's somebody else that lives the same life that you do that needs to hear it. So I want to end with this. Micah 6, 8. Micah 6, 6 through 8, really <clears throat> kind of shapes my story altogether. So I grew up in church. I constantly battled with, if I'm a Pharisee, am I going to miss Jesus? Because I don't know if you noticed this, but all throughout the New Testament, the Pharisees knew everything. They knew the Messiah. They knew all the prophecies. They knew the law backwards and forwards, yet they missed Jesus. They missed the Son of God. And so I constantly battle with the fact is, am I going to miss Jesus? And so I'd constantly talk about, constantly pray, God, what is it that you want me to do to make sure that I am your son? And the truth is, is I can't do anything to make sure that I'm God's son. It's all on what he does, not what I do. And so you see in Micah 6, 6 here, this guy wrestling with this question, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? First, he acknowledges who God is. He realizes he's the Lord. He realizes he's God on high. He's the creator of everything. And he realizes he needs to come and bow before him. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Like, should I come and give him my sin offering? A young calf of year old had no 
problem with being blemished, like didn't get out and break his leg or anything like that. He, so he's bringing his first fruits to God to, to satisfy. What should I do, God? What can I do to make sure that I'm your son? What can I do in order to make sure that my sin is forgiven? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Should I give all of my resources, God? I want to make sure that I pay my way. Like all my rams, all my herds, should I give it? Should I give all of my oils, everything that I anoint, everything that I do uh, to make sure that I look spiritual? Should I follow a, a, a religious ritual? Should I give everything that I have? Please, God, answer me. And this is things that I battle with as a Pharisee. Like, what can I do? Shall I give my firstborn for the, my transgression? the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Should I sacrifice those that I love like Abraham did? You asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac and he was faithful because he went up and was gonna do it and you provided a ram. Should I give over those that I love for my sin? What is required? And he has told you, old man, what is good. Oh, there's that word, good. <laughs> Am I the good son or the bad son? And what does the Lord require? But to do justice, to obey the law. But again, we don't obey because we get something out of it. We obey because we love God, and that's what he's asked us to do. If you don't know what God wants you to do, just listen. Like there's a verse in 1 Samuel that that the story of Eli and Samuel, Samuel comes to Eli the priest and he's like, hey, somebody keeps calling my name, Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. And was it you? And Eli's like, no, it's not me. Go back to bed. And he does it three times and finally Eli's like, oh, maybe it's God, right? And so he's like, okay, when you go back, say this. Lord, speak for your servant is listening. If you want to hear God, pray that over and over and over until he speaks. Lord, you're acknowledging who he is. Speak. You're giving him the, the permission to speak into you. Lord, speak for your servant. You're acknowledging who you are, his servant. You're not God. You're his servant, and you're going to be obedient to whatever he tells you is listening. You're acknowledging that you're not talking. <laughs> you're not speaking. You're not playing this game of debate back and forth with God. You're just simply listening. And God will speak. At least he did for me. Because <laughs> that's what brought me here. <laughs> but he says, do justice. Act justice. If you don't know the law, learn it. If you don't know what God wants you to do, learn it. <clears throat> to love kindness. And this is where the Pharisee jumps in. Because you see, this is where the brother missed it. He didn't love his brother. He didn't love to show kindness to him. And as a Pharisee, we don't like to love people. <laughs> and in ministry, you've got to love people. And so he shows here, he says, to love kindness. So check your heart. If you wake up every morning hating people, might be a Pharisee. Because Jesus woke up every morning and loved people. And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And love your enemies, is what he really says. 
And he says to love kindness. Don't, don't just act and do what I tell you, but love people. Give them mercy. Give them encouragement. Give them hope. Share your story. And the last is the most important, and to walk humbly with your God. Pharisees have a very prideful heart. In fact, we all do. <laughs> but if we're not careful, we will elevate ourselves above God. And he says, hey, walk humbly. Realize that God is God and you're not. Realize that you're his servant and what he speaks, you obey. To walk humbly daily with God so that you know what he's called you to do. Stories. I don't know what your story is, but make sure you share it. Because God has saved you for a reason. Not just to have a relationship with him, but so that others can have a relationship with him through your story. That's what it's about. And that's what we're going to share with you over the next pretty much six to eight weeks. Just stories upon stories upon stories. And I pray that you remain faithful to what God has called you to do and you to share. Because he wants to work through you just as he did Paul. Just as he did everyone in the Bible. If as long as we walk humbly with him. Let's pray. God, I do thank you for today. God, I thank you for my story. God, sometimes I see other people's stories and I'm like, dude, that is crazy. How you stepped in and just pulled them out of their sin, out of their, their own ways. And you've rescued them and you've run and pursued them over and over and over. And I honestly think to myself, my story is just not like that, God. It's not that powerful. And God, who am I to cheapen your miracle? God, I pray that you forgive me for that. That you help me to listen and listen well. Wherever I go, that if you want me to share your story, or my story, about you to anyone, that you give me the ears to see, or ears to hear and eyes to see, God. God, ultimately, everyone on this planet needs you. And God, I ask that you help us remain faithful and obedient to give them love and kindness and to know when to sit down and have coffee and share our stories, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.